0: Welcome to Everyday Illumination Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Leiter, and today we are spending time with Kate King of the Radiant Life Project. She is a licensed professional counselor, board certified art therapist, artist, and author. And we will be talking about awakening, of course, making the shift from therapist to coach or a guide, social media, and the spiritual realm and everyday magic. Thank you for spending time with us. I just want to welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited about this conversation and I just can't wait to hear more about the Radiant Life Project. I know I've been following you on all the social media things and seeing a lot of the posts and a lot to come out. So thank you for being here. And I'd love to just hear about um, a little more about the Radiant Life Project and and where you're at
1: and your Radiant Life. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's always so fruitful and generative to talk with you. Um, I am right in the middle right now of kind of the transition point between maintaining the Radiant Life Project as a ongoing offering for clients and audiences and launching the book, the Radiant Life Project into the world. And so it's this really beautiful bridge between the in-person work and the do-it-yourself at-home self-help resource that I've put into the world. And that kind of all gets rounded in by me living this project every day and integrating the teachings in my own life and exploring even more of the eclectic approach I have toward really illuminating your life from the inside out and starting first with yourself and doing the deep healing, really inquiring about the patterns, the stuckness, the wounds and the traumas that need healing and attention and really attending to all of those things with the love and resourcing that is the foundation of the Radiant Life Project. So I'm kind of at that intersection right now.
0: I love it. I love it. So tell me a little bit, like, because obviously um, for us, we know this, but I think it's good to say that I actually met you at Naropa and we both graduated with um, a degree in transpersonal psychology and a concentration in art therapy And so both of us have sort of lived that clinical therapy life, you know, for many years. And so what sort of guided you to step into sort of shifting up your offerings? I know a lot of therapists are beginning to do this, and I'm super interested to hear about sort of the story about how you got from there to what you're offering now.
1: Yeah, it, it was a really long journey, actually. I've been a licensed therapist and a board-certified art therapist for about 15, a little more than 15 years now. And I was just really deep into the clinical work and the private practice work, and things were moving along, and that felt like a sustainable business, and it felt like I was reaching and helping a lot of people. And then COVID hit, and mental health care escalated to a whole new level of need and dependency, and there was just so much trauma on so many levels, and also so much spiritual awakening and insight coming in. And the transpersonal piece in the background from our education at Naropa has always informed me both kind of where the psyche and the spirit meet. And so it's a very clinical yet spiritual approach that I have. And so the combination that was brought around with COVID was really very profound. And also it it was a lot. And so I kind of doubled down during that time and saw more clients than I think I really had resources and space for. And when I got to the end of, you know, this thing that was only supposed to last for like a month in the beginning and, you know, year and a half, two years later, I was like really, really, really burnt to a crisp. And so because I practice so much of what I teach, I reflected about why am I here? Why am I so burned out? Why am I not feeling the same enthusiasm and the same, why am I not lit up by this work that used to light me up? Mm -hmm. So I took a five-month sabbatical from my practice, which as you know, as a professional in the industry, it is not something that happens. And actually it was kind of frowned upon by a lot of people who were like, "Who, who are you to take a break? The world needs help right now. And I did anyway, and I took that sabbatical to really go inward and rebrand and reinvent and rewire to the point where I could be in alignment with my teachings again, and that was where I birthed the Radiant Life Project. And at the same time as I was kind of rebirthing my business, I was also writing the book And so they came out together basically as a new, fresh offering that integrates my clinical training, my creative training, my life experience, the eclectic learnings from everything from neuroscience to Buddhist psychology to creativity and on and on and on. And now I'm living in accordance with the teachings that feel really high vibrational and really deeply connected. And it feels wonderful.
0: That's so awesome. That's so awesome. So let me see. So you call yourself, what is your title now? uh, After clinical therapy, what do you call yourself? Cause I'd like to unpack that too. Cause I think that's an interesting process that I think I understand as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's been a journey as well. Currently I call myself a radiant life coach. Yes, I still have my my psychotherapy license and my board certification for art therapy, but I am no longer practicing as a clinical psychotherapist. Um, I'm into the coaching world, which for a long time, I had a lot of misgivings about or confusion. And I really think the industry, the industries of therapy and coaching are very kind of confusing in the overlap, but I can tell you more about why I chose that if you want.
0: Yeah. So what I was what I was thinking about, because I had the same, same sort of process where I was like really laboring over what I call myself. And I had different people like, who cares what you call it? And I was like, because it's very important to me. You know, we spend all this time getting a master's. And I think there is a big difference typically between coaching and therapy, just like a mindset around it. And so um, I know for me, like, It took me about a year to figure out and like really land where I felt comfortable in what I was offering. So in that shift from being a therapist to a radiant life coach, tell me, like, what are the distinctions that make it different for you? Just as a practitioner, I think that's important.
1: Yes, I think the main distinction is that I want my focus to be on growth and on the client's willingness to meet themselves in a place that is not based on diagnostic criteria or pathologizing, but really meeting themselves in a place with compassion and intention for a holistic sense of well-being and growth. And I always found the clinical model to be kind of distasteful in a sense that everything is pathologized and it's about what's wrong and it's about what's broken. And I never fit into that mindset anyway. And so as I reflected on this, I got really honest and I realized that I've actually been working as a radiant life coach for a really long time and calling myself a therapist, but you know not offering diagnoses to people and not fitting into that medical model so much. However, it felt Like I reached a point where the integrity wasn't intact and I needed to Mm -hmm. really align with that because integrity is a huge part of my personal value compass. And so calling myself something, words are so important to me. And I think in general, words are like spells. And so what we call ourselves does matter. And I didn't want to be sending out the message that I was aligned with the pathological, medical perspective of healing because I'm not. It's really more about growth and process and Mm. inquiry and experience. So that was my distinction.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I sort of feel the same way. And I and I think it's really funny, because I remember at the very beginning, you know, being in a classroom where everyone was getting really upset about diagnoses. And I think that I already at that point was like, so it's, it's so people's payment can be covered for their services like, basically, like, that's where I landed. And I was just like, there's going to be very few times in this, in this career of mine that I'm not using, like, adjustment disorder, or like, at the very most, like, anxiety or something like that. And so, you know, that was always part of my conversation with people. And, and similarly, I think it's like, focusing on holistic healing, on transformation, on relationships, like, that has always been really important to me so 100 percent, i see where you went and how you got there for sure and so in the room i know that like what you're calling it may have been different but what does what does radiant life processes or work or discovery look like for you when you're working with a client
1: It's basically me offering a really broad library of resources and my client picking and choosing what works best for them. And then the two of us working together to implement and integrate all of the teachings Mm -hmm. that align for them into their life. So it might start in a similar way to psychotherapy where we're talking about what's not working and we're talking about what doesn't feel right and how that is a kind of a chasm from where we want to be and what would feel different. And even mm-hmm. if a person doesn't know what they want, just knowing what they don't want is so valuable. And so in our connection, as I'm speaking to them, it might feel aligned to offer them parts work through an internal family systems perspective or creative processing through an art therapy avenue, or maybe we talk about changing their thoughts and manifesting from kind of a different spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these different trajectories we can take. And one of the beautiful things about coaching is that I can really set out the expectation that the person has to do the work. It's not just come here every week and dump and don't do anything when you go home and then you come back the next week and dump. Like this isn't just a dumping ground. This is like an alchemizing transformational container where you are held, you are seen, you are offered ideas. And then between sessions, you practice them and you implement them. So I think that's one of the expectations that I really am very clear with people about at the beginning is you got to want this work, right? This is something you show up for with willingness, not out of, sometimes there's a sense of desperation where someone's like, I've tried everything and I need something new. But even with a desperation like that, there needs to be a match of, I'm really desperate for healing and I'm willing to do what it takes to get there. Yes.
0: I remember sitting in office at points and being like, I can't be a garbage disposal anymore for all of this content. If you don't want to move forward, make a change or try something different or see that there might be a different way then like, I'm not your person. I am so nurturing and I will show up with everything. Like, I need you to show up in your everyday life and not like come back here and be like, yeah, I'm doing all the things. It's like, if you're going to see growth, it's got to be happening there, not just in the office. It's
1: a model of empowerment too, because I think sometimes the medical clinical realm can be really disempowering for people and it can create a sense of dependency on the medical resources. And so a lot of the coaching work I do is about reclaiming that agency, that you are an adult and that you are the captain of your world. And if you decide things are going to change I am right there with you and let's change them. But that is your choice as the captain of the ship.
0: Absolutely. So speaking of like change and being the captain of the ship. So when, when did your, your big spiritual sort of awakening or shift start to happen? Like I know with Naropa, there is a focus, you know, on meditation, on mindfulness, somewhat on the spiritual, but it still like is, you know, a clinical program. And so where where did you start to step into a space where it was more clear that something was shifting or you were awakening?
1: I have always held a very spiritual perspective of myself in the world, even as a little girl. I was really sort of dabbling in magic and attuned and sensitive in ways that didn't feel really that that normal. And so I think I've had little breadcrumbs on my spiritual journey that ultimately led me to Naropa. And I remember even before I was at Naropa in my sophomore year of college, coming across the book, The Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. And that book came to me in divine timing and really shifted my awareness and kind of probably put me on the track to Naropa, where I was looking for something that had that kind of juicy, scientific, psychological people kind of base, but with a spiritual lens. And that's something that only Naropa offers. And so it led me there. And then I had that experience through my life, just following those breadcrumbs. And I really think it was the pandemic where I got kind of hit on the side of the head with all of these realizations that whatever I was doing wasn't really working And I went into a very deep, inquisitive sort of surrender place. And I think surrender is so often the catalyst for a spiritual awakening because so many of our guards and our internal ego structures keep us from that wisdom. And I had been very, very afraid of COVID and of getting sick for a long time. And it was really interesting that The week before I went on my sabbatical, I got COVID. And so I couldn't even close with all of my clients because I was like, I'm really sick and I'm leaving next week. So I'm sorry, but this is how it has to end. And that was another surrender for me. And just this you know, upgrade that I got in terms of letting go and letting the processes that didn't make sense to the ego mind just run through me however they did. So I think that was a really big awakening. And then it feels like since then, there have just been these massive downloads on the regular. And I feel like a portal has been opened and now things are coming to the pipeline and I'm just rolling with them as they come. And so month to month, I feel like I'm a really different version of myself even now. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I feel like I've lived 50 lives since like last month. Like, I don't feel like I'm I'm like, I think it's a a lot it's happening a lot more swiftly now where um, and we were talking when we have done about that. It's the Aries full moon and you're in Aries and I'm also a fire sign that there's just so much energy like moving through the field right now. um, That's really, I think, provoking a lot of spontaneous awakenings. Um, But also in each one of us, you know, doors are opening, doors are closing. You know, there's this preparation for the book to come out for you November 1st, right?
1: Yeah, that's the official publishing date, but it's available now for purchase online everywhere. And the publisher keeps telling me that things will start shipping before November. So October. Exciting.
0: Congratulations. That's so cool. That's a lot to do where you're shifting your career perspective or how you're looking at being a practitioner and writing a book at once?
1: Yeah, this book, this book is so full of magic. I can't even tell you. It is just the way that it evolved and showed up for me. And the way that I got a, a publishing contract without an agent. And it was like easy in an industry where everyone's always like, that's really hard. And it's kind of impossible. I was like, what are you talking about? It's really easy. And then as soon as the publisher accepted the book, I had this really powerful spiritual experience of like a group hug from all my ancestors. Like this book, like I did what I needed to do by putting this out there to set something into motion that was, I still don't even know how big it is, but it feels much larger than me because I have my entire lineage in a group hug about it. So oh my gosh, so yeah. more about that. How do you
0: know that it was a spiritual lineage group hug? Like how did you experience that? I think that would be great for people to hear about.
1: Yes. So I had been, going through the process of submitting book proposals, which I didn't do for my first book because I landed with a very small publisher who came to me for my first book. And they just didn't have as much of the traditional publishing process. And so that was just a really different experience. And so with this experience, there were a lot of kind of naysayers out there who were like, don't be disappointed. Like nobody gets a book deal without a pub, without an agent. And you know, you don't have the following, like just maybe you should wait. And I was like, no. So I started submitting all of these proposals, which is such a massive process, but I was really juiced up about it. And I got a couple of rejections and then I got an acceptance from one and my body was vibrating so intensely that all I could do was just sit still and close my eyes. And I sat there and I closed my eyes and I was just sort of overtaken by this imagery of this campfire where I was sitting with my ancestors and guides and some of my loved ones who have passed. And they were all Just the energy was such joy and excitement and embrace about the fact that I put it out there, which was all I had to do. And then the divine was going to take it from there. And I wasn't even expected to know that I was part of this grand plan, but I had a specific job to do. And they were just really, really thrilled that I did it. Oh my gosh.
0: I love that. I love that so much. And it's so interesting that so many women have images around fires and circles, you know, that like sacred ritual that I feel like is coming back with the sacred feminine. So it's that's so beautiful to like, I can even picture it as you're explaining it, you know, how rich and how beautiful that must have been, because it sounds like, you know, um, that it's sort of like an intergenerational healing or ripple effect was taking place by you claiming this and owning this information and like standing in your power and truth to deliver it through the book and really how you're living your life.
1: Yeah. And in the book, there, there are some tidbits of my personal story and I talk about ancestral healing. I talk about epigenetics and I talk about family and dynamics. And so it's kind of this, it's this synergy of, the scientific clinical and the spiritual experiential and the ancestors were like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I just continue to feel their support. And there are some members of my family who are alive and in 3d on planet earth who might be really pissed off about this book and also i'm like you know what the ancestry is in support of this and i felt it undeniably and i acted with integrity about my story and i put it into the world the way i felt called to so to me that feels like true north
0: absolutely and and i think that that's a lot of light workers and healers and healing practitioners experiences like so many of them myself included are sort of the one in our family that was called to come here and do that piece. Um, You know, I have members of my family that don't even listen to this podcast or totally understand what I do. So it's, I think it's just one of those things that we go through this process of just having to own what we're meant to put out there. And if it's in alignment and integrity, you know, that we know that we're doing what we came here to do. And sometimes it's bigger than us.
1: Right. That's the way it feels for me. And I've worked with some really interesting healers. And most recently I worked with a shamanic tribe from Africa for ancestral healing. And their message was like, you got to think bigger than the family right now. The family is distracting you from your purpose and you are here for more than this family. And there was information about you know, just a lineage of of fire and I'm the water that's supposed to come and equalize it, which was so interesting for me because I've always identified as fire as an Aries. And they were saying, no, no, you you identify strongly as fire because you're confused because that was burning in your lineage for so long that you forgot that you have water in you. And the ancestors gave you this deep well of water to put out this fire. Wow. how beautiful. Know, it's, been a, it's been a rabbit hole
0: lately. I bet. I bet. Yeah. And, and I think that that also speaks to, I think a message that's really in the energetics right now. Um, I kind of take on like watching patterns happen and then I kind of feel on the energetic. So I'm not the one that's going to be like, Oh, this moon is going to be like this. I sit more back and like, I help to stabilize what's happening in the energy and describing what people are experiencing. And something that I've noticed throughout TikTok and Instagram is that there are a lot of people speaking that like, you don't have to protect yourself anymore. Like you need to step into your purpose and alignment. And there's a lot of messaging around finding soul family versus focusing on the family of origin that we were raised with. And so the idea right is that healing is kind of over in that old way of like I'm going to be healing forever because we I think become so attached to the identity of healing and the story that at a certain point you can put it down and a lot of people are at the point where they just need to know hey you can put that pile of bricks down like you actually have done the healing so it's time to start thinking like a person that has done it you know and shift some of the mindsets, like really step into this idea that we, we can grow and learn and discover after a certain point. We don't have to keep looking back, looking back and being really attached to the, to the old story.
1: Absolutely. I think what you're speaking to is the process of integration, because I think people can get so kind of looped into the healing experience that they forget that healing is a practice and it's an embodied practice. It's not just something that you continue to intake and learn. It's something that you have to live. And so if you're constantly taking in, you don't have enough energy left at the end of the day to just be with what you took in last time. So I do think it's important to put down the stack of bricks and know that Maybe you return to it. Maybe you'll do more work in the future. Like, this isn't now or never, but it's like you have to take those little pauses, like the pauses between breaths, mm-hmm. because that's what allows the integration and the transformation to really exist for reality in your system. Absolutely.
0: So, in this idea of like, I'm just thinking about the vision that you had of your ancestors and returning to that for a second. Um, would you say that you call yourself intuitive? Like, would you say you're an intuitive person?
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: very. And would you say that um, you recognize different gifts or different clairs that you might have access to?
1: I've kind of struggled with that over the years. And I think the reason is because I want a clair that I don't have. <laughs> what I have really wanted is to have very strong visual clairvoyance and to be able to see, because I put so much emphasis on the visual. And really I think I have more of like a sense of knowing and I don't trust it because I feel like I need proof all the time. And so I'm like, if I could just see like orbs, then I would know they were real. Yeah. But the knowing sense is like, come on, you know, they're real. You don't know. Yeah. We're not letting you see them because that would be, give too much away like you need to actually
0: yeah and that speaks to it's something we were just talking about at the retreat in Colorado is that um, because we're like kind of in the 3D world like the proof and the physical is so much more honored in so many ways and not that one clear sense is better than another right but um, we actually were talking through it and actually clear cognizance like knowing is actually like the one that is one of the highest regarded and hardest to work with because you have to learn to trust yourself. And so it's that, um, and many people I think that have clear cognizance and clairsentience, like knowing and feeling, like end up in this space of having to use both of those together. Like I know when I'm on video, I will feel something in someone's solar plexus, but then I have to use the knowing to like navigate through it. And so what we were talking about is at any point, you may be using like five clairs and not really know, you know, or like when people talk about like knowing that a radio song, a song's going to be on the radio, you know, knowing before you turn it, you know, that is, you know, hearing that, you know, tasting different things. Like when people make recipes and you don't need a recipe to go by or um, so many are so much more accessible than we think they are.
1: Absolutely. And I think you're right that it's about trust. And I think that's one of the really important things that we're supposed to learn in this embodied form is how to trust the sensory experiences that you can only have when you're in a human body.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. That's so beautiful. So about the Radiant Life Project, about the book, about this whole process, what are the the most important points to share that you focus on, you know, with living a radiant life? What are what are maybe three points or something that you focus on that are really important to the process of stepping into this?
1: So in the book, they're broken into chapters. Every chapter kind of takes on a life of its own. And because I remember when I was writing the book, I was remembering books that I've read where I'm like, okay, it's been three chapters, I get it, move on. And then they keep (laughs) revisiting the same thing for the whole book. And I'm like, what a waste of time. So my book moves very quickly through a lot of different teachings Mm -hmm. and really deeply in each chapter. Um, But some of the main points are, I mean, overall, the book is about doing your work, your inner healing work for the sake of being in the world in the most healed and aware form of yourself so that from that place, you can ripple out into the world with that light. I think there's a really big misunderstanding within healing circles that it's other people who need to change, or if only this other person would be different, then I can be okay. And so the premise of this book is it really doesn't matter what anyone else is doing, saying, feeling this work is about you. And from a you place, you can impact the lifestyle and change that you want. So some facets of that are... I talk a lot about rest and nurturance and how you can meet yourself with love and with care. I share a little about my burnout experience with that. And I talk about how hustle culture is really toxic and it's really pervasive. And how does just sort of step out of the expectation of hustle culture to be able to really attend to your human need for rest, which is the same as every other natural being and creature on this planet that has an ebb and flow. So we talk about rest. We talk about different forms of healing and looking into different psychological processes for healing, as well as trauma and understanding the nervous system through polyvagal theory and understanding the brain. And so really bringing in some helpful science to kind of fuel these teachings with with research. Um, I talk a ton about relationships throughout the book because I find that a really common place where people struggle is in their relationships because we mirror back to each other all the things that we still have unhealed within ourselves. And it's like this grand ping pong game when everyone's just bouncing their stuff off of everyone else projectively and reflectively. So a lot of relationship work, but also from the origin of you and it includes boundary work. It talks about um, ancestral healing. It talks about um, alignment in relationships. There's a ton of authenticity, conversation, and integrity. And throughout the whole book, there's tools so that people can really implement and integrate all of this in real time. So that gives you kind of a little- Yeah,
0: yeah. I love that. And it covers, I think, So many of the topics that, you know, whether you're awakening and ascending or just becoming more conscious or really focused on, like you were saying, relationships and healing, especially with family of origin, it sounds like it just helps to guide you through that process in a way that feels so nurturing.
1: That's the hope. And the hope too is that people can revisit this book because it is packed full of concepts and teachings that maybe it's not all going to get absorbed or feel applicable the first run through. So pick up a couple of pieces and in six months or a year, crack it open again and maybe something else will feel appealing and a new layer will be accessible. So my hope is that people can reread and revisit and source what they need from it for long to come after the day they buy it.
0: That's so beautiful. I love that. I love that. So is there anything else that you feel like that you really want to share about this process of creation that you went through to kind of bring this all to fruition or any lessons that you learned that were really valuable?
1: I think the overarching lesson for me has been to really trust in following the breadcrumbs and to be aware of the cultural narratives and the ego structures that block us from that knowing and that trust, because when we can go someplace scary, like surrender, which isn't really scary in theory, but in practice it is. And it can be very, you know, terrifying to let go and to trust. It leads us to places that we may not have been able to predict And it really does feel like a breadcrumb trail that you're really just going one step at a time. But when you look back in hindsight, it's mind boggling, the journey and the spiral and the, you know, crooked path toward where you've come to. And I've just really learned that it truly is all happening for us here in this experience, not to us. And if we can see it with that growth mindset and with the Understanding that we are exactly where we need to be, even if it feels challenging, even if it feels uncharted, that the trust is just of the utmost importance.
0: I think that that's really like in most of the work of awakening and most of what we're doing, it's we're just allowing ourselves to understand that we really don't, even though we have free will, we don't have control over everything. Surrender, for the most part, when you're actually doing it, it's not scary. But it's like when you sort of feel it coming and you know that that's what will be required. It's like, how far am I going to bend until I actually surrender? Once you get there, you're like, oh, I can let go of this. Or, oh, like, yes, I would love to put that down. But the process of getting there does feel scary.
1: Absolutely. So maybe there's a controlling part. That shows up and is like, I'm going to control this because you need me to keep you safe. And maybe that worked a long time ago, but it doesn't work anymore and it's not necessary. And so teaching people how to really come back into a true self perspective and create enough space between the self and that part to get curious about it. And to work with those parts with love and with compassion so they can be reintegrated in the system instead of flooding the system with their energy, mm-hmm. I think that's such a helpful teaching to be able to really navigate the hard things like surrender and growth that feel like they have blocks placed in front of you when really it's just you blocking yourself from a <laughs> field perspective that's been adaptively trying to take care of you, but you outgrew.
0: Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so many times we're standing in our own way. You know, the transformation is ready to happen, or we've done a lot of the healing that we need to do for it to happen. And it's like the last thing is being like, I'm actually stopping myself at this point.
1: We are 100% the thing that holds us back. Right? (laughs) And Sometimes you can't see it because you have blinders on for whatever reason, but it is always us holding ourselves back or keeping ourselves small in one way or another. And when we can uncover the reasons why we've been doing that and understand that that was the best we knew how to do at the time, and maybe we know differently now and we can support our systems in new ways, then it becomes easier to just free off that layer and grow past it.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. So in this process of your transformation from doing clinical therapy to being a Radiant Life Coach, I know that you sort of dug into working with social media. So tell me a little bit about that process, because it's definitely been one that I had a little bit trouble navigating and I was actually holding myself back. I think just because of how we had been educated in school, you know, getting our master's to be a therapist. That's right. It may be a little bit different now in certain ways, but terrified that your client was going to find you. And now there's so many people that are sharing wisdom, sharing education materials. So what was that process like for you?
1: When I started my book proposal process, everyone I talked to was like, platform, platform. It matters how many followers you have, how many people you reach. And I was like, okay, I'm committed to this book. So I dove into posting daily and sending out reels. And I started to think of it as free resources for people who needed them and who might really benefit from them. And if they didn't like it, they would keep scrolling. And if they did like it, they would join the community. And so I started to see it as an offering and an invitation rather than an obligation or a requirement. And I think that energetic really shifted for me. And, you know, it's a really weird world. Talk about not being in control, but this process of being attached to my work and my teachings, but not attached to the, the likes and the follows and the algorithm. Cause that's really the mind warp of it all. And it can really be tough when I get sucked into that. And I have, and then I do the work to extricate myself from it. Remember what I'm doing here. <laughs> and it's just an interesting process that at the beginning of my career, I did not have social media.
0: Different generations are using social media so differently Um, And so I really am connected to it more to put out tools, like you're saying, and connect with people through business or through, you know, collaboration, and a lot less in my personal life. But I actually have so many clients that will be, I will tell them the exact same thing. But if they watch it on TikTok, they will come and tell me about the thing. And internally I'm like this is what we've been working on this whole time and it just took someone on TikTok to tell you and so I laugh every time you know like just internally where I'm like amazing Um, or they'll send me like this is what I was talking about so it's interesting how we're not as nervous about the connection on social media or what we're putting out there or what people will know about us but it's becoming more of like a sharing of resources in a lot of ways and I've talked to so many people throughout their spiritual awakening That through the pandemic, TikTok and the spiritual community on there were such a resource, you know, when they couldn't connect with other people. So it's just been interesting just to hear people's experiences, especially for those of us that have been therapists, that it was like such a no-no. I, I still remember sitting in the class and how it should be and how to keep things clinical. And, and now it still like makes me giggle a little bit that we're all like making videos and, and on social media now as part of what we do.
1: The authenticity piece is so important these days. And I think social media offers you the opportunity to be really authentic with people who you may not have ever been able to reach before. And I love it when new people come in my DMs with questions or with ideas. And I, I respond to every single comment and every DM. It's really important to me that it's an actual community and not just a following. And so I care about these people and I want to continue to provide them with resources and hear how they're landing, you know? So I appreciate that it's an extension that I would not have had otherwise, which is so beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree so much. Like it's so important to keep that connection and to really hear. And, and also it's kind of beautiful too. Sometimes when you get feedback and you have no idea what your impact is or the impact of the content you're putting out, and then you get someone that messages you and is just like telling you what an impact it had on them. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, that's so great. Because sometimes you don't know, you know, you're like, this idea is coming to me or this message is coming to me and you're sharing it. And, you know, it's like out into the ether and you have no idea like what happens after that.
1: Yeah. And I really believe that what we're ready for is also looking for us. And so I think we see what we're ready to see and you could post something today and, (laughs) Someone can come across it next year or who knows how far from now, and it can really apply to them when they're ready for it. And so I appreciate that too. It's like a timestamp that keeps having life long after I stamp it, and it it's becomes so cool. this existential offering that I have no idea how it's going to impact, but I know that I'm imparting it with love, and that's all I can do. It's like it it leaves the terminal of my energetic space And it goes out and I don't know where it ventures.
0: I love that. Are you ready for possibly having a little fun with some rapid fire just to wrap things up?
1: Yeah, lay them on me.
0: Okay. Well, the first one that I always like to start with is fill in the blank. Awakening is.
1: Awakening is presence. Something people often get wrong about you. People often think I'm an extrovert and I am so introverted.
0: (laughs) So give me a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your everyday life that brings you joy.
1: I have a really cozy book nook in my office that's full of pillows and blankets. And it brings me a lot of joy when I get to wrap up in my super soft blanket and enjoy a cup of tea and just have a moment of peace in my book nook.
0: So a concert that you will always remember.
1: I went to a very early on Maroon 5 concert when they were just taking off in Toronto with one of my really good friends. And it was one of my first concerts because I don't go to concerts a lot because I get really overstimulated and Uh it takes me a long time to go to sleep after that. Um, So it's not often worth it. And then recently I saw the Rolling Stones and that was really right before COVID, I think. And that was probably just hands down one of the most incredible group experiences I've ever been a part of.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm really into classic rock. Um, so a favorite meal or a meal that you crave?
1: Eggplant parm.
0: Mm. What is the top on your list to create in 2024?
1: my next, book, next the book relationship.
0: Oh, you already know. I love that. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to hear more. Um, all right. Uh, one thing you are deeply grateful for
1: my core four, which is what we call our little family unit, my husband, myself, and my two kiddos. Oh,
0: that's adorable. All right. Finally, what are you illuminating in the world?
1: I am illuminating the path toward radiance for people
0: oh so much fun let's just give you an opportunity to say where people can find you
1: so my website is the radiantlifeproject.com that's kind of my hub where you can find all the things um you can also find my socials at the radiant life project on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Um, and I have a 30% discount, friends and family, uh, for the book, if you want me to share that code. I
0: would love that. Yeah, share the code, and then I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Roman.com, R-O-W-M-A-N.com. And and then at checkout, you put in, so R-L-F-N-F-30, and you get 30%
0: amazing thank you for sharing that with my community um thank you so much for being here as always you can find me at the illuminated psychologist um on all the socials and amy thank you kate so much for being here i always have so much fun talking to you and um congratulations on this book i'm so excited for you and so excited for everyone to receive it
1: thank you so much i'm excited too Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Everyday Illumination Podcast. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, and uh, where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe so you can be notified when we have a new episode. Uh, Episode eight will be coming up. I'm super excited about it. And I just hope you all have a beautiful day. And thank you for tuning in.